You're listening to DraftKings Network. What are the odds? Two studios, two different cities, and it's always construction above. It's never the level below no. us. It's never. It's a, and it's always the same tap, tap, tap. tap. And always. Is this existing. karma? Welcome to Oddball. I'm Amino Hassan in Phoenix, and over there in New York City is the one and only Charlotte Wilder. I think we are matching colors a little bit. I was just going to say, this is what uh, we both wore black on Valentine's Day, and on a random Tuesday in February, we're like, you know what? Look, check out, check out what it does. Ready? Oh. oh, yeah. Mine looks like a kidney bean, so that's why. Alas, <laughs> my, my lot in life. We've got a great show for you guys today. Still spilling out content from All-Star Weekend. Charlotte got to sit down with the one and only Joe Kim Noah. You don't want to miss her conversation with him. He is one of the most colorful characters in NBA history. Also, the Clippers. They got mm. new logos and new jerseys for their new building. But mm -hmm. the same old jokes are coming out, Charlotte. We're going to make fun <laughs> of them for some questionable things. Mm -hmm. Also, I do a victory lap about All-Star Weekend and All-Star Weekend's coming in the future. But first, let's start with some fisticuffs that yes. happened on Friday night between the Heat and the Pelicans, resulting in a bunch of suspension. Charlotte, who got slapped on the wrist? Who got slapped on the well, like everybody, basically. But Jimmy Butler is among five players suspended. It's a one-game suspension for Butler and Najee Marshall, quote, for instigating and engaging in an on-court yeah. altercation, which did involve uh, Marshall, I believe, putting his hand on Jimmy's neck. That seems to me to be where things went really south, I mean. But um, <laughs> the Heat's Thomas Bryant and Pelicans guard Jose Alvarado they got three game suspensions because they mm -hmm. left the bench area during said on court altercation and fighting. And Nikola Jovic, who will forever not be Nikola Jokic, received a <laughs> one game suspension without pay for leaving the bench area during the brawl. So a lot of lot of slaps on the wrist for a lot of wrists being th thrown around with fists. I mean, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was on the radio with Jason Jackson, who's the play-by-play -play radio announcer for the Miami Heat, and he mm -hmm. was wondering whether the guys that got off the bench, because uh, they technically did not enter the court area, they were on the sideline, said, does that mean they get suspended or is that just a fine? And I said, no, 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 buddy. Uh, <laughs> Amino Hassan of 2007 would like to remind you that Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw ran vertically up the sideline to go help a teammate up who had been hit down, you know, Steve Nash. Mm -hmm. And David Stern said, the rules say leaving the bench area, and they left the bench area. And I said, oh, but they went, you know, in a peacemaking capacity. They didn't go yeah. to jump in. And, and David Stern acted like God himself came down and handcuffed him. <laughs> the rules are the rules. I said, yeah, but you made the rules. Also, I was watching this um, on League Pass, and the Bally announcers for the Pelicans just did an absolutely phenomenal job. I want to shout out. I don't have their names. I'm so sorry. I got them. I, I got them for can you. Can you tell me who they are? I mean, it's Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels, two very good friends of mine. 
they did an unbelievable job calling that fight because the fight that happened off the bench that wasn't on the court was actually right in front of the announcer's table. So they were like, they are right here, but they did not break stride. They kept narrating the fight the whole way. I mean, it was a masterclass in journalism. Jason Jackson also similarly got a lot of praise for his play-by-play uh, -play, saying that perhaps he should look into maybe calling some boxing matches, you know, no. with that kind of technical ability. So I'm glad that a lot of my friends discovered a new <laughs> ability, a new talent unlocked during that um, argument or through that altercation. All right. Elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Let's get right into these Clipper jerseys. Let's huh? do it. All right. I like so, them. I like them. I like the so, new jerseys. I think everybody has said the same thing. The jerseys, they look phenomenal. It's right? a nice, clean look. It's a modernized look of that Clippers logo of the 90s and the 2000s with the, with the script. Yep, they've got uh, the, the the navy, the white, and the red yeah. with alternating. It's um, it's not like maroon. a bright red. Yeah, it's I mean it's not like a bright red. It's not like a the old red. It's like Maybe. it's a little deeper. It's a richer burgundy, okay. perhaps. I'll wear a Clippers jersey, that one of the new Clippers jersey, and we'll just see what it looks like. I have an old Clippers jersey that I can. Okay, wear great. As well, we'll just so have we a can... Clippers jersey party. Why not? Well, we'll do, you know what, Clippers, we'll do that for you. You know, <laughs> that's the good news. That's the glass half full side. Glass half empty. What is up with that logo? It looks like the Queen Mary parked over there in Long Beach. Have they ever what? seen a, 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 like a a <laughs> Clipper boat? Like you know, like the big schooner or whatever they call oh, it. With the, yeah, you know, I the, mean, I could tell you everything about a schooner. A schooner is a oh, that's ship. Right. A schooner is a ship that has uh, two masts where the mast in front is shorter than the mast behind it, which lends itself to all sorts of amazing graphic uh, design capabilities that they have foregone in favor of making it look like the icon of the seas. Check out these uniforms, these jerseys. See that on the side? That's, is that semaphore code or what's it called? That's a maritime flag alphabet, which I don't know if that, but I... I believe it's the correct uh, flags for LAC. Yeah, another callback to the fact to our great history as a franchise based in nautical terms, apparently. So but Charlotte, mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Should they have changed the name? Clippers? Yes. Yes, I think probably yes. If you're going to do a whole rebrand, if you're building this whole new arena that is going to be the pride of Los Angeles, as they're hoping it will be, this would be the only time that you could actually change the name without everyone be like, why are you changing the name? Because even now the Clippers are the Clippers are playing amazing. They're fourth yes. in the West and nobody thought this would work. But you hear Clippers and it's still sort of like, eh, it's a little bit of a joke, even though they're not right now. Yeah. And, and, and counterpoint. I really don't think anyone who has chosen to be a Clipper fan would say, that's it, last straw, they changed the name, I'm out of here. I'm going to be a Laker fan now. That's just not the way that works at all. And I think there was an opportunity moving into a new building mm -hmm. with kind of a new identity, a new all, all, everything new that they could have gotten away from this and started with a new identity. But having said all that, again, I would have settled for a logo that didn't look like the Queen Mary. You have something you're excited to talk about, Amina. I think we need to get to it. And it has That's to do with NBA All-Star Weekend. The floor is yours, my friend. I mean, well, first and foremost, allow me to just say you're welcome to everybody. Because mm -hmm. for years, for years, mm -hmm. I have been beating this drum like endlessly. 
and all that crying and all that complaining I did finally cracked through. This has been the most momentous week of a mean influencing world events that has ever happened. Because not only Charlotte, Mm-hmm. Are we getting a Phoenix All-Star Weekend 2027? You're welcome. Okay. Can't wait, <laughs> Thank can't you. wait to host okay. everybody. Yeah. But also, more importantly, we are getting new requirements and regulations that will make it virtually impossible for any podunk NBA market to ever host this shit again. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about 7,000 plus hotel rooms. I'm talking about at least five-star hotels. Good luck, Oklahoma City, with that one. And I'm talking, this is the the piece de la resistance. You need 75 domestic non-stops flying into your airport and 20 non-stop internationals. Case closed. Dismiss. Portland, see ya. Memphis, take a height. Minneapolis, arrivederci. Detroit, mwah. And of course, how can I forget au revoir to my lovely, lovely Milwaukee? I loved you so, but you got You know, to there, could be, there could be one way to thwart you in all of this, which is put the All-Star Weekend in Boston, Massachusetts. This is, look, I'm, I'm not completely bulletproof here. Boston, <laughs> New York, Toronto, and Chicago still And they're move. not warm. They're not warm. They're not warm. No, but I, what I will say is I, I, I think, I mean, thank you for your service. Uh, secondly, I do think that the um, these are just our common sense things. These are common sense. Like, this is what you have to do if you're going to be able to host an event like this. Also, though, in defense of these small cities not having to do with All-Star Weekend, I do sort of like a small Midwestern city. So shout out to you guys. It's not your fault, but you weren't built for that. It's, not, it's like saying, I want to I wanna host a Super Bowl house party. Everybody come to my house. Where do you live? Well, I live in a studio apartment. <laughs> well, like, uh, I'm not judging how you live. You live how you right. live. But, like, you are not. This isn't a job for you. In the same way that if the NBA started moving NBA draft to different markets, right, which I'm totally, oh, let's, let's do the draft in Milwaukee. Let's do it in Cleveland. Let's do it in Indiana. Memphis, Detroit, all these places. In June, absolutely. Mm. In Phoenix, I would say absolutely not. Phoenix yeah. in June is a bad idea. It has very little to do whether I like a town or not, although, of course, we've eliminated many towns I do not like. <laughs> it has more to do with is this logistically sound? It is not mm-hmm. logistically sound to be in Phoenix in June. It's not logistically sound to be in Milwaukee in February, even though I love both cities very, very much. Yeah. Well, and we saw what happens in Indianapolis, where also I just love how the I had an Uber driver while I was there who was like, it's been 70 degrees for the past three weeks. And I was like, first of all, I don't think that's true. I don't think it's been 70 in Indianapolis for the past three weeks, but it sure is snowing right now, Jessica. She was amazing. Shout out to my driver. Enough. Enough with these small market lies. Go be gone. Go, go, go build a new airport or something. Build some hotels. We'll talk about how later. But Charlotte, in the same vein of on small market teams, one man once said very eloquently, who who goes to Cleveland? You you ever hear that? You ever say, I'm going to Cleveland on vacation? That man's name is Joakim Noah, and you got to sit down with him at All-Star Weekend. Here's the conversation. Have you ever wondered if Chet Holmgren might be a descendant of Abraham Lincoln? Or if a UFC fighter could beat an alien in a fight? You might have not, and that's okay. 
But Shea Serrano and Jason Concepcion from the Six Trophies podcast have. If you love basketball and more importantly, if you love fun, you've got to listen to Six Trophies, where Shay and Jason serve up the biggest moments from around the NBA with their brand of unbridled joy, banter and pop culture side quests. Each week, they hand out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Stuff like the Denzel Washington in Training Day trophy, given out to the player or team having the best week around the NBA. Or the Lauren Hill you might win some dot dot dot, but you just lost one trophy for the team or player that just can't get it together. Plus a bunch more trophies for all the good, bad, or just plain head scratching moments around the NBA. This playoff season, you'll want to make six trophies your go to companion podcast. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Joakim Noah, you really don't need an introduction. Two-time All-Star. You were in the league for 13 years. You won two national championships. You're sort of a legend. Thank you so much for (laughs) joining me today. Now, you're here at All-Star for the Basketball Africa League and the NBA Africa Academy. How did you get involved with that? Really, it's it's a blessing. Yeah. You know, just to be a, first of all, thanks for having me. Oh. And... um, You're welcome. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's it's really nice to be at All-Star. You know, this is the whole business of the NBA comes here during this time. And, uh, you know, right when I retired, uh, I was blessed to be able to invest in a league in Africa uh, with the NBA and you know I've been able to really travel around the continent and just watch this league grow over the last four years so um, you know a lot of the key players are here you know uh, BWB Basketball Without Borders Mm -hmm. they're all here so some of the players are here who've been in the uh, NBA Africa Academy so just building relationships with everybody and uh, you know just very proud to be a part of of this league. You know, we talked to Kaman Malwakht, and he was explaining, you know, what it was like growing up in Uganda and having to walk to the court miles and then walk back, and you could only practice at the hottest times, and how the NBA Africa Academy, what his day is like. He's like, it's a two, three-minute walk to the gym. What has it been like seeing guys actually go through this program? Honestly, I would say very well deserved. Mm -hmm. You know, when you see kids who have that kind of hunger to be better and to help their families and being able to give them real opportunities, real infrastructure Mm -hmm. for them to get better and then just to see the progress in the kids to me, that's what it's all about. I like going back to Africa. There's a, it's a different mentality over there. I think that people are, there's a lot of gratitude hmm. when, you do, when, you, when you do things yeah. uh, in Africa. So I'm very, very uh, excited about what's, what's coming up next. And uh, you know, the more we have these conversations, the more we raise consciousness on what's going on in Africa and what the needs are, and just seeing these kids blossom into top picks in, in the draft. I mean, I think that's what it's all about. Yeah. Do you remember being 17? What you felt like as a basketball player at 17? What did I feel like at 17? Uh, I think it, I just started getting recruited yeah. by, you know, college coaches. It was an exciting What time. was that like? 
I mean, it's sort of like dating. You're like, what are you? Like, what are, are we a match? Are we a match? Is this? Well, I think at 17, it was smaller division ones. It mm -hmm. was schools like Marist. You know, it wasn't yeah. top schools or anything. And then, you know, it was just all about the journey and just enjoying the work, the practice every day, whether it's lifting weights and getting used to building, building good habits, you know, staying away from the parties and things like that as much as possible. I mean, I'm from New York City, so, yeah. you know, there's a lot of distractions in that city. So for me, I think that it wasn't until that summer when I was 18, when I went to ABCD camp, mm -hmm. that's when things changed. And then um, off of one week of camp, you know, I was getting recruited by everybody. You said something interesting when you talk about like building habits and and the work ethic of it all. I feel like people might not understand if you're a casual fan of the NBA, what goes into actually being an NBA player. Mm -hmm. And you did that for 13 years. What is the mental mindset that you have to get into? How did you keep yourself together? I mean, there were definitely a lot of highs and lows. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that the habits start young. I was blessed to have a father who was a professional athlete. Yeah. So I think that, you know, those habits, I got to see them in him, mm -hmm. uh, in his training and how hard he had to train. So I had a relationship with, you know, building endurance and, you know, some, some of the kids weren't comfortable training like that. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was already there because my father had taught me that young. Yeah. And then I think as, as you get older, you know, I think that the NBA, people see the final product, they see it's, it's, not, a, it's not a glamour life. You know, you're on the road a lot, um, you know, you get in, sometimes you'll play a game, you get in that night, two, three in the morning, you have a game the next day. So it's, it's, it's not easy and you have to be physically and mentally tough. But it was it was amazing time. I had the best time. I, whenever I see, you know, an amazing play or a big game that really matters, and and the guy like standing in the middle of the court, you know, whether it's Jalen Brunson doing his, you know, after a three or whatever celebration, I'm like, do you feel like you're on top of the world? Like, is that is that a high? I can only imagine what sort of energy comes with that. I mean, yeah, when, if you hit a three or you get a dunk or you make a nice play and the crowd goes crazy, yeah, yeah that feeling's on top of the world, but there's also getting dunked on, uh, you know, so it can also go the other way around. You can also yeah. feel like shit yeah. real quick. So that's the, it's, it's always about the next play mm -hmm. because you're emotionally, it's a roller coaster. Yeah, you gotta stay as even killed. You know, when um, Udonis Haslam, when they retired his jersey, his speech, it brought me to tears, Joaquin, because he was talking about the first time his brother took him to play basketball. And he went to the court and um, UD took a shot and just totally airballed it. And his brother caught it and dunked and looked at him and said, nice pass. And to me, what was so moving about that is that he was basically saying he saved him from embarrassment. And I think so much of being a professional athlete is being willing to be embarrassed because like, whether you like it or not, if you play long enough, like you're gonna end up on the wrong side of a dunk poster. It's tough. I was um, a very emotional player mm -hmm. and people don't realize you're playing in front of 20,000 people. It's hard to go to sleep after playing in, in those kind of environments. Really? I mean, for me. Yeah. 
some some people it was easy for them and they mm -hmm. could come to practice the next day and be I mean I think that the reason why I played 13 years and not 18 years is because I played a, a certain style of basketball um, I wasn't out there shooting threes you know I was playing all out every yeah. second and you know it took a toll yeah. physically and emotionally you know Totally. Yeah. What was All Star Weekend like? I mean, we're sitting here in India, and there's like a party going on outside. <laughs> even though I don't even, I don't think anyone's there, and like it's snowing. But shout out to Indy. It's, I shout love, I Indy. love how walkable it is. What is it like being an All Star? Honestly, it's a, it's a dream come true. You know, first we're we're so blessed to even just play in the league. You know, these are. It's been my dream since I was a little little kid. Yeah. Since I could remember, this is always what I wanted to do. And you get to live that, and then to play in an all-star game with the best players in the world, and to see your friends and your family, the pride on their face when you're walking on that court. Like, those are memories I'll never forget. Before we started filming, you were saying that you, you hope they figure the game out, because last year, it was a mess, and yes, it was. Do you think that going back to the East-West format is gonna help that? I mean, what I would love for them to do, mm -hmm. if this is just my opinion, is they should do an America versus the rest of the world. I really oh, feel okay. like the, the competition, would it would just get real. I think people would really get into it. Look, and then I, I really think that that would be a way to get the competition back into the game. I think so too. That's brilliant. Yeah, I feel also, I think that a lot of people, a lot of American fans don't realize how many players are Canadian. Mm -hmm. I bet a lot of people, if you said, did you know that Shea Gilders Alexander is Canadian? They would be like, no, he's not. No. You know, so I think that the Canadian side of it would make people pay attention and be like, oh, wait a second, they're not, they're not on our team. And that ratchets up the competition. So do you feel like, should Canada be with uh, the Americas? No. No. Rest of the world. Rest of the world. Yeah, I think it's funnier if it's just the United States okay. against everybody else. Okay, okay. Because I think everybody else would definitely win, and it might be a humbling experience. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe cut that out. Okay. Maybe don't put that in. Whoa. I think everyone's going to come for you me. Just, you just made it hot. Yeah, sorry. Um, anyway, I am. I think I'm red. I think I'm <laughs> blushing. <laughs> on a... On a on a less uh, hot take note, you have this foundation called, no called Noah's Ark. Yes. That you founded with your mom, mm -hmm. who's an artist. Yes. A singer? Is uh, no, no. A painter? The, uh, Tell me what she does. She's a sculptress. She okay. does a lot of art therapy. Art therapy. And mm -hmm. this foundation that you started with your mom, combining art with sports, I feel like there is such a bigger connection between art and sports than people put together a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Like there's something very graceful about both of them, not to get too, you know, in the clouds, but it seems it's very cool to me that you're putting those two things together mm -hmm. as a part of a program. What does that look like? Well, I think this, my foundation is something that uh, I'm very, very proud of. It's, it's where I've been putting a lot of my energy lately. We've been doing it for uh, over a decade with my mother. My mom's an art therapist. Um, you know, Chicago is a place where I played for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like, you know, I just wanted to use my platform to do something good for the city over there. So we started some programs with my mother, uh, my mom doing art, um, art therapy with the kids where they can express themselves through these art pieces. I think it's a, a really beautiful programs. 
And then uh, with me, I, we, we use the sports and use basketball to reel in the kids and, and add extra programming. We started a, a peace league called One City. Very proud of working with 28 violence prevention groups. Oh my gosh. Um, so, you know, we have 450 participants. Just, um, just staying busy and very proud of uh, all these programs that we're doing with Nozark. What kind of sculpture does your mom do? Oh, my mom does all kinds, but you know, it's it, it's more. They'll the program will be like, what does freedom mean to you? And then they'll take a few hours and, um, you know, s sculpt what that means. And you know, a lot of these are 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 abstract, so everybody has uh, their di different ways of of um, of showing that. Yeah. So I think it's it's beautiful. The last program we did, we worked uh, with the this program called Ladies of the Ark, which work with mothers who lost children to gun violence. Oh my God. So I think that this art therapy was also a great way for these moms to voice and express um, how they feel. When you retired, you said that there really is no such thing as retirement. What did you mean by that? That struck me as so profound. I mean, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm too young to be at home, you know, uh, chilling, watching TV and not doing anything. When my daughter asked me, like, what did you do today? I better have something to say, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that that's really important because my daughter wasn't born for when I played basketball. Yeah. And so she needs to know that um, it's hard, it takes hard work. Yeah. And you know, there's only, I have to show her that, and it's and you have to do that every day. So, I like I'm blessed to be able to work on things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, NBA Africa. You know, my foundation working with, um, you know, real angels who are working with violence prevention mm -hmm. all around all across Chicago, um, building relationships over there, working with the Bulls, working with the NBA uh, to grow the game. So. I feel like I'm, um, I have my purpose and I feel strong waking up in the morning and, and you know, I don't feel retired at all. <laughs> yeah, I think you should feel really great about everything you're doing. It's, you. it's inspiring and I hope it makes people wanna get out there and try to do something themselves. Thank you. Thank you Appreciate so much that. for chatting. I hope that was okay. It was great. I thank hope you, you have a wonderful All-Star weekend. You too, enjoy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Respect. Someone's messing with you. My dude. Well, I gotta go talk to Sharon.